0: Amen. Happy new, year. Happy new Year! Yeah, gosh, it's been a long time since I saw you guys. <laughs> I know it's a dumb joke. Um, there are so many good things uh, to preach on <clears throat> January first. I consider it a great honor to be able to address you on the first day of the new year because you know what you do first sets the tone for everything that comes afterwards, right? Yeah. So be careful what you do today. Now you're here in church. That's a good sign, man. That's that's a really, uh, that's a good start. And there's so, there's so many things that, that again, that I could be preaching on today. I was going to start my series in John today. Um, that is my plan, unless the Lord just uh, knocks me down and says, no, Pastor Darrell, you're not going to do that. I'm planning on preaching through the gospel of John this year. And so I was going to do that on the 24th when we showed up because John 1, 1 and following is about Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ and so forth. But no, the Lord led me to give you a brief message that Sunday. So today I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach. I'm going to start on the gospel of John. It'll be good January 1st. But no, I think what we need to do is we just need to step back and do one topical message today about who's in first. Who is first in your life? Do you, any of you ever remember uh, the comedy routine, who's on first, right? Uh, what was it? Uh, who, who did that? Abbott and, Abbott and Costello. I almost said the Costello brothers, but then that didn't sound right. Yes, Abbott and Costello. Um, so this isn't who's on first. This is who's in first. Who's in first in your life? Here it is, the first day of the week. Um, we could start off by asking, who's your first love? We might think of your first kiss, or you might think of, uh, you know, for most of us, your first love in time is your mother, right? Sorry, dads, but that's usually the case. Um, But let's step back because when I'm asking who's in first, I'm really asking you to prioritize who is most important in your life. To whom or to who are you the most loyal? And I really want you to answer those questions, though not out loud. I think that today is a good day for us to reassess where we stand in our relationship with God. How important is he? Is he in first place or is he somewhere further down in the list of priorities? Well, those of us who claim to be committed to Jesus Christ should be able to answer, well, Jesus. Jesus is my first love. Jesus is in first place. Now, you might have said God, which is good, all right? Uh, The problem with just the word God is that it's It's so undefined. It kind of has different meanings to different people. But as we're going to find next week, very clearly, Jesus is the one that put a face on God. Jesus is God in skin. Jesus is the way that you and I are able to interact with and relate to God. Otherwise, God just becomes sort of a fuzzy concept to people. Um, Jesus was very demanding about those that followed him. Uh, We're very you know, gracious. Uh, we want to receive the grace of God. God accepts you as you are, but he doesn't leave you that way. Amen? In fact, that's what got me to first come to faith uh, to begin with, was that Jesus accepts me just as I am. In fact, I can remember the very first sermon that I preached uh, at the church that I served at before we started this church. Uh, it was Freeman Heights Baptist. It's over there by uh, Bussey Middle School, uh, where several of our, uh, our young Leaders came from um, the first sermon that I preached over there. I was dressed somewhat like I am today. Uh, you know, we have a, a group of visitors over here, and you're thinking, "Boy, they, they dress up very much at this church." Well, I just figured it's the first day of the week. I'm going to wear my workout clothes, <laughs> right? Because a, a lot of us are probably setting goals in the new year, right? Going to lose twenty pounds, want to gain, you know, ten pounds of muscle, or I'm going to do this. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to wear my my workout clothes today. But it. It fits what I'm talking about right now because God accepts you just as you are. T-shirt and jeans or a suit and tie, he accepts you just as you are. But when we follow Jesus, the goal is to become more like Jesus. So if you committed your life to Christ, if you accepted Christ 10 years ago, and you're no different today than you were 10 years ago in relation to God, something's wrong. So Jesus had a lot of people following him. Right. He uh, was healing people and he was teaching and telling them things that were amazing to them. And they were wondering, is this the Messiah? Is this the Messiah? Well, see, he didn't come out and say it. Not at that point. He wanted to prove it. So huge crowds are following him. And sometimes the crowds were just following him because they wanted to catch him do you know perform a miracle um, or because they wanted to eat. Uh, you know, I, I got black eyed peas out there. I, if I remember, I'll tell you why. That that tradition hit me when I first came uh, south, uh, came to Texas, and I was like, what? Why are you eating beans on New Year's Day? I don't understand, okay? But apparently it's a tradition that comes in the wake of the Civil War. I'll see if I can mention that again in just a moment. Back to this idea of coming to Jesus just as you are, but not remaining that way. Huge crowds following Jesus. And in Luke chapter 14, we're probably about midway through Jesus' ministry, and he says this, brace yourself because it's going to sound hard. Jesus said some harsh things, right? In fact, I have a whole book upstairs, um, by a scholar, and it's called The Hard Words of Jesus. Well, here's here are among those hard words. Jesus said in Luke 14, 26 through 27, this is the New International Version, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So basically, Jesus just struck down for most of us in this room, what our primary number one person is, right? Father, mother, brothers, sisters, right? Yourself, even your own life. He said, all of those have got to take a second place. Now, he doesn't want you to hate your family. This is what's called hyperbole. What he is saying is that your love for these people, your children, your spouse, your, you know, your father, your mother, and so forth, even your, your self-love, That love has to be so far beneath the Lord Jesus that by comparison, you could call it hate. Well, okay, so that means I've got to love Jesus a lot, a lot, a lot. So our other loves and loyalties, however great, are to be despised by comparison. Jesus chastised and challenged the Ephesian church in Revelation uh, regarding their loss of love toward him. Listen to this. Uh, this is from Revelation chapter two. This is two verses two through five. Once again, in the New International Version. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Wow, that sounds like he's praising them, isn't it? It really does. You hung in there. Now I'm going to read the the second part of this, but I just want to say this. The last three years have been extremely difficult. Have they not? I mean, 2020, we wish we could just forget about that one. Okay. And 2021 came along, we got our hopes up and we're like, oh man, it's 2020 times two. All right. And then last year seemed like, most of us were you know, feeling better and getting better, except the first service that we had in our church last year, it wasn't on the first, I believe it was the seventh, um, the first Sunday. There was nobody here. In fact, earlier today, we have this beautiful group of visitors, this family over here, and there was nobody here. I was like, oh, they probably think nobody goes to this church. It reminds me of last year. I thought, how many of you were sick? Everybody was sick last year. My goodness, okay? And so it's like wave after wave. And then, of course, you know, inflation goes through the roof. And so all of these challenges and difficulties. But you know what? I'm looking at a group of people here that stuck it out. Here you are. You persevered. That's great. But the question that I have for you this morning is the question that Jesus raises with the Ephesian church now that we get to the second half? He says, Yet, that's a but, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first, right? You have left behind your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So in spite of all the good that the Ephesian church was doing, Jesus threatened to remove their right to shine the light for him if they didn't restore their love. Life, well, the same is true for us. Do we love Jesus? See, I asked you if you love Jesus, but do we love Jesus? Or do we just like hanging out together, all right? Worship is expressed toward whom or what you value most. It's interesting because in both Hebrew and Greek, the word for worship is really essentially a metaphor. It means to bow down. It's what you do physically, right? You prostrate yourself. But in English, the word comes from this old English word, worship, which means worth-ship. What is valuable to you, what is ultimately valuable to you? What is your highest value? In other words, what is your greatest love? That is worship. Worship then is offering your first and your best, and only the Lord is deserving of your first and your best. So I'm going to give you, and I've mentioned these things in church and passing previously, but I'm gonna give you three areas um, where you should offer your first and your best to the Lord. And you may already be doing this, right? There needs to be a right motive behind all of this, because I'm going to tell you things you can do, which by the way, as an aside, I just had so many things I want to tell you today. Um, I don't make New Year's resolutions. See, a resolution is dependent upon my willpower, and my willpower fails rather quickly, how about, I mean, maybe you're just an incredibly self disciplined, self controlled person, and you have all the willpower in the world, and you can do whatever you want. And for me, it's a lot of work. I also find that it is foolish to make promises to God God, I promise I'll do this, and I promise I'll do that if you'll do this. God doesn't cut deals like that, okay? Jesus died on the cross. And he offers the promise of eternal life and blessing to us. We need to trust God's promises, not make promises to God, or set ourselves up for failure by making all these resolutions. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm saying don't be determined, don't be self-disciplined. What I'm saying is that you and I should set goals, and we should seek to achieve those goals. Best of those goals are measurable goals, okay? Okay. Again, that's why I wear my workout clothes today, um, because I'm going to set some goals myself. Um, This should be fairly simple. I've done this several times in my life. Um, But in the wake of the pandemic, I gained my pandemic pounds. And I have not been able to lose my pandemic pounds. They're just hanging on. They love me, and I do not love them. So my goal is to lose 23 pounds in 2023, by my birthday on March 11th. I should be able to do that. Now I've confessed it and y'all are going to be going, he still looks fat. <laughs> it's been a month and he's still filling out those shirts pretty well. <laughs> Thinking maybe he needs to ramp up the self-discipline on that goal. But it's a goal and I'm going I'm to try to achieve it. These are three areas in your life that I challenge all of us in this room to give our first and our best to the Lord. First, is your your time, right? Your time. Um, I seek to do this every day. I get up in the morning and I usually get up pretty early and I have a computer that I use. It's sitting over here and I have a Bible app that I use on the computer and I have four different lectionaries that I read from that have scriptures for the day. There's a uh, there's a, the, the Roman Catholic one. It doesn't have all the Catholic uh, ritual and so forth. It's just scripture selections. Um, there's the uh, the Book of Common Prayer, which is the Episcopal one. Um, there's the revised common lectionary, which basically takes uh, the Catholic scriptures and makes certain adjustments. And then there's the Byzantine from the Eastern Orthodox Church, All right. Now, I'm not trying to sound religious, religious, religious here. I'm just trying to say there are some very, very, wise people who made these scripture selections. And it's a lot of scripture. Now, I probably have more time in the morning than some of you do. You have a job that might start about the time I get up. I get up at about five or 5.30 every morning. You may have a job that requires you to get up a lot earlier than that. And it you know, it's, would be hard for you to plow through the amount of scripture that I read in the morning. But I guarantee you this, you can start your day in the word. You really can. And if you don't know where else to go, I send out a daily scripture passage and you can text the word daily Bible, just like it's, it's not, it's two words, but just spell out Daily Bible and text that to 94000, and I will send you a scripture passage every day, usually by 7 a.m. Um, I could send it earlier, but I'm worried that some people might not want to get a text that early. Um, there are occasions when I send it a little later, but that gives you something. The, the UVersion Bible app, which is the most popular Bible app uh, for um, mobile devices, has all sorts of reading plans. You can do this. We're going to go through John this year. Start in John. Start reading John chapter one, okay? Start first thing in the morning. If you don't have a ton of time in the morning and you're not a morning person, and I watch some of you walk in here on Sundays, and I know some of you are not morning people, right? You can still do whatever you need to do to wake up, splash some cold water on your face, drink coffee, whatever, and then sit down and read a little bit of scripture, okay? And let that get into your brain and then pray. Read the word and pray. That's the first of your time. Now, I mean it in the morning. I want you to do this. I want you to make time for the Lord first thing in the morning. So what happens? We have uh, maybe we, how many of you uh, wake up to an alarm oh, clock? Okay. How many of you, that alarm is music? Yes. Okay some of you find, no, music won't wake me up. It has to be an obnoxious sound, all right? What happens is the first thing that gets into your brain, you start thinking about, maybe you're thinking about the things that you're worried about that day, okay? Uh, Maybe you're thinking about some sort of a challenge that you have that day. Whatever it is, that invades your thought space and that drives you for the rest of the day. However, if you will put the Lord first and get into his word, and again, it doesn't have to be long, but you would be surprised once you get disciplined at this, you can do more than you think you can right now, all right? So I, uh, I teach a karate class. Many of you know, I've got these uh, kids in my class and I've had several of them for quite a while. And there are several of them that promoted to orange belt some time ago, and they're still orange belts. And the reason why they're still orange belts is because they won't memorize those verses. I'll make sure they have the karate, but see, they have to memorize scripture. Well, I think we've come to a time in our world where we're so busy and we're so distracted and we're so um, pulled in so many different directions that we're not intentional enough about where we spend our time. It's really, really important that you make the main thing the main thing. You need to decide what is important or as the theme of our message, who's in first and then prove it, do something about it. So every morning, I guarantee you, Students, you're like, oh man, I'm really out of bed now. Da, 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 da. Pray while you're in the shower, okay? You can do two things at once. You really, really can. And by the way, some of us are not big on reading. YouVersion Bible app, once again, uh, I've been reading from the New International Version today. You can click the little speaker icon up in the corner and it will read it to you. You could be doing two things at once. You could be making your breakfast. You could be getting dressed and listening to the word. Don't say you can't, because can't means won't, amen? All right, so those are, those are two things that, that you can do. And the other thing is, be in church the first day of the week. Now, not every church meets on Sunday. Uh, I got in a little sideways with one of, our, one of my former students who was like, what are you trying to say, that we you know, can't worship the Lord except on Sunday? No, I'm trying to say that most churches meet on Sunday, and I think it's a good idea church started meeting on Sunday because it was called the Lord's Day. Why did the church start meeting on Sunday? It's the day Jesus rose. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday, friend. That's what Sunday is all about. Now, for hundreds of years in the Western world, Sunday took the place of the Sabbath. All across the southern United States, any of you old enough to remember Blue laws, Okay. That meant you couldn't buy anything on Sunday because we're trying to let everybody have a day off, right? Well, you know, there's no such thing as blue laws anymore. So I am not of the opinion that we need to enforce uh, a Sunday Sabbath on everybody, but I am saying I think it's a really good idea for all of us to be in church on the first day of the week, to worship the one who is first in our lives, So I've given you three things that you can do, and I know you can do them. You can read your Bible every day, first thing in the morning. You can pray every day, first thing in the morning, and you can be in church. That's your time. Your talent, okay? You say, "Ah, well, I'm not super talented. Well, it's just a way of saying things you know how to do that you can do pretty well, okay? Okay. you know, people like our musicians, it's obvious. They're, they're allowing the Lord to use their talent up here. But, you know, there's other things that people do that perhaps are not as noticeable, but are every bit as important. Do you know how to work on a car? I, do you know how many people have their cars break down and can't figure out how to fix them? Man, you have a talent. You have a skill. You have an ability. You can serve. You can help people. There's all sorts of things that you can do. Um, search the word and try to discover what your spiritual gifts are because God will gift you with the ability to serve uh, his people, right? We call that the, the church. The church is not an institution. It's a community, a gathering of people. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Once again, this is the New International Version. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And then the final thing is your treasure, right? Um, Learn to tithe, right? So we should give. Last week, (laughs) it was great, wasn't it? Christmas Day, and we had a pretty good group that showed up on Christmas Day. I won't have you raise your hand if you showed up because then some of you won't raise your hand and you'll think that I'm trying to load you up with a guilt trip, but I'm not. We did, we had a good group. And so I decided to, to talk about giving. And then what did I do? Didn't take up an offering. That's good for paying the bills, isn't it? It's <laughs> like, so, you know, Rachel's one of our finance people. And I was like, well, you don't have anything to do today. <laughs> There's, there's no money to count today. I forgot to take up the offering. So y'all need to not let me leave the building. I used to do this all the time. When we first started this church, I would just forget to take up the offering all the time. All right. Um, most of us, to be honest, and it doesn't, what doesn't cause me to freak out is most of us have learned to give online. But I want you to, if you don't already do this, I want you to aim to tithe to your church. Now, I don't sit and talk about money in this church. Okay, as I said, last week I talked about giving, but I talked about you being a giving person. I didn't talk about you giving to this church. But I'm going to tell you the church is the storehouse, and you need to learn to tithe. Tithing is not the law, it's a principle, and it goes back all the way before the law. You can find tithing early in Genesis. It's just what these people did. What does tithe mean? It just means 10%. You take the first 10% of your income and you give it, it's just that simple or just that painful, all right, depending on how it is. So um, I told you about what I do in the morning when I get up and I read scripture, pray and so forth. Um, I have to, now, I, I'm guilty right here. For the first decade and a half that I was in ministry, I didn't tithe. I was like, I'm going to tithe, that's the law. That's legalism. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be a giver. Here's the problem with that. Sometimes you give. And sometimes you forget. Sometimes you give, I, there were times when I, you know, I just was like, I'm just going to fund our youth ministry. I don't want to go through the finance committee all the time. Because that was, you know, when you're a youth minister and you got all these ideas and then you got to go and pass it through the finance committee. And I thought that those people were just spoil sports and didn't want to fund ministry and whatever. Now that I've been a pastor for 23 years, I'm like, wow, I'm really glad those people were there because there was actually money to do stuff, Right. But I was like, I'm not going to take it through the finance team. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to. I'll spend my own money on it. And da, da, da. so sometimes I would spend too much, and then it's kind of like buyer's remorse. You have to back off. You're like, I don't have any money now. And then I wouldn't give. So 2004, I think, is the year I set the set a goal to tithe consistently, and I do. My uh, my peg is auto. Deposited in my account and it clears on Tuesday. So my giving day is Tuesday. Now I've chosen to give over and above the tithe. That's up to you. But what I'm challenging you to do is to be consistent and tithe. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 3 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, this is an agricultural culture. So you can understand he's not talking about money, but he's talking about provision. So the Lord promises to bless those who give their first and their best. He will give you more so that you can give more. Amen? That's just the way the Lord is. If you get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can, the Lord's not going to bless that. Lord's going to bless it when you learn to give, all right? Listen to this scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and NIV. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, you will, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So that's verification of what I just said. And this idea of the tithe, you haven't even heard that word yet. So we're going to go back to Malachi to, to get this word. One of the things you should understand is the Lord is going to bless your giving so that you can be a giver, so that you can be provided for. But He's also going to protect your resources. Listen to what it says, Malachi three ten and 11. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests, from devouring your crops. So in another translation, it says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Well, you probably don't have crops, but the Lord will protect your vehicle. The Lord will protect you from all of this predatory inflation that's going on. He will protect you. Um, He says, uh, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So, This is a good promise. Now, I will say this, and I didn't want to unload this on you, but right before this, Malachi accuses the people of robbing God. He said, you're robbing God because you will not give God the first and the best. You will not tithe. Well, I want to challenge you in these three areas. To give your first and your best time, to give your first and your best with your talent, your gifts, your ministry, and to give your first and your best with your treasure Um, this is the only time in this passage that the Lord says that he wants us to test him. In fact, we're told, Jesus told the devil that you shall not test the Lord your God unless the Lord says, test me in this. But that's what he said. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out this blessing. So all the way full circle around, will you return to your first love? Will you give Jesus your heart? That's what we mean by that, by the way. Give Jesus your heart. Let Jesus into your heart. Who's in your heart? Who's taking up that space right now? Put him there. Let him be there. And then live out this kind of lifestyle of worship where you offer your first and your best. Will you put Christ above all other things this year? Hey, it's January 1st. Start today. Amen?